Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Sunday, January 14th. Today we're discussing the agreement congressional leaders have reached on a new stopgap spending bill and an analysis of Iowa's most important poll setting the expectations for the GOP caucuses. Plus, we have an expert analysis on the rise of impeachment as a weapon of partisan politics and a separate Michigan GOP group's decision to keep Christina Caramo as chairwoman. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Congressional leaders have reportedly reached an agreement on a new stopgap spending bill that would extend government funding into March. Abby, our correspondent on Capitol Hill, is here to discuss the details. Abby, what does this mean for the government and the ongoing budget negotiations? Michael, this agreement is a temporary solution to a recurring problem. The government has been running on short-term spending laws since the start of the fiscal year in October. These stopgap measures are a way to keep the government running while lawmakers negotiate full-year funding. So this is a common practice then. Why can't lawmakers agree on full-year funding? It's a complex issue, Michael. Budget negotiations involve a lot of moving parts and competing interests. Each party has its own priorities and those can clash. It's also a matter of timing. The fiscal year starts in October, but the budget process begins much earlier. If lawmakers can't agree on a budget by the start of the fiscal year, they have to pass these stopgap measures to prevent a government shutdown. And what are the implications of a government shutdown? Why is it so important to avoid one? A government shutdown can have serious consequences. It can lead to federal employees being furloughed or temporarily laid off, and it can disrupt services that people rely on. It can also have a negative impact on the economy. So it's in everyone's interest to avoid a shutdown if at all possible. House Speaker Mike Johnson is defying some of the more extreme budget hawks in his party to avoid a shutdown. Can you tell us more about this? Yes, Speaker Johnson is taking a pragmatic approach here. He's facing pressure from some in his party who want to use the budget process to push for deep spending cuts. But Johnson seems to recognize that a government shutdown would be damaging and unpopular. So he's sticking to his plan to keep the government funded, even if it means defying some in his own party. It's a delicate balance, isn't it? Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now, as we approach the Iowa caucuses, Former President Donald Trump appears to be leading the pack, with the final poll showing him at 48%, trailed by former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley at 20%, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at 16%. Abby, our political analyst, is here to delve deeper into the implications of these numbers. Abby, what's your take on this? Well, Michael, if these numbers hold, Trump could make history with the highest Iowa GOP caucus vote share for a non-incumbent ever. But it's not just about who wins, it's also about the margin of victory and who comes in second. With New Hampshire voting in just 10 days, expectations and how candidates perform relative to those expectations in Iowa could significantly impact the race. Can you explain more about the role of expectations in this context? How does this play out in the political landscape? Absolutely. Expectations are not just a nebulous concept. They're measurable and are about how a candidate performs in the voting relative to their final polls. When a candidate exceeds expectations, they often receive a surge of positive media coverage. Conversely, underperforming candidates can face negative media attention. This dynamic can significantly influence the momentum of a campaign, as we've seen in past elections. 
So looking at the numbers, how do you see this playing out for the candidates? Well, it's a bit of a balancing act. For Nikki Haley, even a slight overperformance in Iowa or a slight underperformance by Trump could shift the New Hampshire race in her favor. A win in New Hampshire could signal that Trump is not invincible and give Haley a boost heading into the South Carolina primary. On the other hand, if Ron DeSantis manages to secure second place, it could provide a compelling reason for him to stay in the race, despite currently polling in fourth place in New Hampshire. And what about Trump? What does he need to do to maintain his lead? For Trump, the benchmark is clear. He needs to perform as well or better than his final Iowa poll. A strong performance in Iowa could help him maintain momentum, even if he doesn't win New Hampshire. However, it's important to remember that the ultimate goal is to win the nomination. While Iowa and New Hampshire are important, the leader in national primary polls often has the advantage. And right now, Trump is leading those polls by a significant margin. So it seems like the pressure is on for all the candidates to exceed expectations in Iowa. It's going to be an interesting race to watch. Thanks for your insights, Abby. In a significant move, House Republicans are now pushing forward with attempts to impeach President Biden and Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, considering only one cabinet official has ever been impeached, and that was way back in 1876. Abby, our political analyst, is here to help us understand the implications of this. Abby, what are your thoughts on this? Thanks, Michael. Well, impeachment was designed as a check on presidential power, but it seems to have evolved into a political weapon in modern times. The fact that we're seeing attempts to impeach not just the president, but also a cabinet official, is indicative of this shift. That's an interesting point. Can you elaborate on how impeachment has transitioned from being a check on power to a political weapon? Certainly. The framers of the Constitution included impeachment as a way to hold the president and other high-ranking officials accountable for high crimes and misdemeanors. However, what constitutes such a crime is largely subjective and has been interpreted differently over the years. In recent times, we've seen impeachment being used more frequently as a tool to challenge political opponents rather than as a mechanism to uphold the integrity of the office. So if we look at the current situation, what does this mean for the Biden administration and Secretary Mayorkas? Well, it's important to note that impeachment is a lengthy and complex process. It requires a majority vote in the House to impeach and then a two-thirds majority in the Senate to convict. Given the current political landscape, it's unlikely that these efforts will lead to actual removal from office. However, they do contribute to a climate of political tension and can serve to further polarize the public. That's a great point, Abby. It seems like this is more about political posturing than actual accountability. Thanks for your insights. Meanwhile, in Michigan, the Republican Party's leadership has been in a state of flux. Christina Caramo, the party's chairwoman, has been facing internal opposition, but recently scored a victory. Abby, our political correspondent, is here to discuss the situation. Abby, could you give us an overview of what's happening? Certainly, Michael. Caramo, a former Secretary of State nominee, has had a tumultuous term as party chairwoman, marked by financial struggles and internal divisions. A week ago, a group of Republican State Committee members voted in favor of unseating her. However, in a recent meeting, a separate group of committee members voted overwhelmingly to keep her as the party's leader. So there seems to be a split within the party. What's the crux of the disagreement? The disagreement seems to center around Karamo's leadership style and the party's financial situation. 
Critics argue that she's not raising enough funds and needs to expand the party's coalition. Karamo, on the other hand, describes herself as a grassroots chair and has criticized some of the party's past top donors. It's a classic tension between different visions for the party's future. What does this mean for the Michigan Republican Party moving forward? Well, it's a bit of a mess. There are questions about whether either faction complied with party bylaws in conducting their meetings, and the group in favor of removing Caramo is planning to file a lawsuit. The party is also facing a critical election season, with a U.S. Senate seat and several House districts up for grabs. This internal strife could potentially impact their campaign efforts. And what about the individuals who have been opposing Karamo? What's happening with them? In an unusual move, the Republicans who voted to keep Karamo also voted to ban some of her most vocal critics from being affiliated with the party for five years. This includes Melinda Pago, who has been Karamo's co-chairwoman and is now claiming to be the party's acting chairwoman. It's a clear sign of the deep divisions within the party. It's certainly a situation to keep an eye on. Thanks for the insights, Abby. All right, that wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.